Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, welcome back to the Frontier Freedom Hour. All right, we're talking breaking news this week. Major U.S. Supreme Court case has to do with the abortion pill and what it means for the future. Here from the Washington Post, the justices said Wednesday they would not consider a separate challenge to the FDA's initial approval of Mifepristone in 2000. That means that whatever the Supreme Court decides will not remove the medication from the market, but could make it more difficult to obtain. If access to Mifepristone is restricted, abortion providers and advocates say pregnancies could still be terminated using only the second drug in the regime, Mifepristol. But using that drug alone causes more cramping and bleeding, and the abortion opponents could move to restrict it as well if they win limits on the use of mifepristone from the high court. White House Press Secretary, is it Corinne? Corinne? It's Corinne, isn't it? Corinne Jean-Pierre said in a statement that the Supreme Court must ensure full access to mifepristone The lower court ruling, she said, threatens to undermine the FDA's scientific independent judgment and would impose outdated restrictions on access to safe and effective medication abortions. She continues, states have imposed extreme and dangerous abortion bans. Yeah, because abortion is so safe. It only kills a life. But, you know, that put on health of women in jeopardy and that threatened to criminalize doctors for providing the health care that the patients need and that they are trained to provide, Pierre said. In urging the court to take the case, Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogar emphasized in court filings that mifepristone has been safely used by millions of people for more than two decades and warned that allowing the lower court's decision to stand would have damaging consequences for women seeking lawful abortions and health care system that relies on the availability of the drug under the current conditions of use. What was interesting was, I mean, these are the same people that have banned abortion reversal pills in the state of Colorado, which is perfectly fine. In fact, during, I almost did this, and I wish I had, when we were down there debating this abortion reversal pill, um, which there is a pill that you can take between those two drugs that they were mentioning there, and it and it stops the uh, proteins and stuff from, uh, well, it's, it stops the abortion pill from working so then it, it it saves the life of a baby and um joining us on the phone is nicole hunt she's a pro-life spokesperson and analyst for focus on the family what is the abortion reversal pill called nicole yeah i'm glad that you asked so we'll call the abortion pill reversal but what it is is progesterone treatment so it's just the use of the hormone progesterone which of course has been used for the last 40 years to help women who might have trouble getting pregnant or um, have a high-risk pregnancy. Uh, it's an infusion of progesterone to help boost a woman's ability to keep that baby alive. Yeah, so progesterone's just a, it's a hormone pill. And so I was, Michael, I was sitting down there at the state capitol, we we're debating this, and I thought about just taking a progesterone just during the committee hearing. And the doctors were like, Jeff, well, you know, it's it's female hormones. It's, <laughs> Maybe maybe Jeff isn't transitioning. It's probably not good to go down that road. But I thought about it. Do you remember when John Hickenlooper drank fracking fluid? He was like proving that fracking isn't that bad, so he just drank fracking fluid. Everybody remembers it. I was like, Jeff Hunt could have taken progesterone and 
prove that, that you know, I don't, maybe I should have. I should have. All right. The challenge to Mifepristone was initiated by the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, an association of anti-abortion doctors and others. The group asserted that the FDA did not sufficiently consider safety concerns when it approved the drug in 2000 or when it removed some restrictions years later, allowing the use of Mifepristone through the 10 weeks of pregnancy, for instance, instead of seven. Um, so we're having these debates over uh, which drugs can be used there. And I think what the conservatives are arguing is that, you know, go through the FDA process. We have this process. Yeah. It was shortcut because it's special interest agenda driven. And the special interest is not women's health. The special interest is sales, capitalism. Let us market this abortion drug as much as we can instead of actually serving women. And so the arguments that are coming from the conservative side is not necessarily a pro-life, pro-choice. It's follow the rules. Is that right, Nicole Hunt? Yeah, absolutely. So looking at um, the statements that came out of ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, their senior counsel there, who's Erin Holly. Um, you know, she said every court so far has agreed that the FDA acted unlawfully in removing common sense safeguards for women and authorizing dangerous mail order abortions. And we are urging the Supreme Court to do the same thing. So what we have here is you have the FDA acting in a way that is expedient for them, but it's harming the health of women and it's undermining the rule of law because you're illegally removing safeguards that protect women from the chemical abortion regime when it is not affecting them properly. There are those safeguards in place for a reason. And this is where we are on the abortion issue. We're debating different drugs to be used. Um, on the progesterone side, that hasn't gone through the FDA for this purpose either, right? I mean, that's um, the, the pro-life side was kind of promoting this drug as an abortion reversal pill, but I mean, that should go through FDA as well, right? Is there is there any blocks to that that you're aware of? So it's considered an off-label use um, for that type of hormone treatment. But um, the, I remember testifying before uh, the House um, in Denver when all of this was going down last, earlier this year. And I remember doctors giving testimony saying, hey, I'm a heart doctor and I use specific kind of medicine for my patients before... I operate and it's considered an off-label use, but I can still do that. That's not unethical and it's right. not illegal. This is something that we do to um, as, a, as a typical standard of practice. So I would say, I think that there are plenty of examples of medications being used for off-label use. It doesn't necessarily require FDA approval again. It'll be fascinating to watch. This is going to be a critical case, as I mentioned, in the upcoming elections as well. So you're going to want to be paying attention to this. Um, it looks like Alliance Defending Freedom could be the chief arguer for this. Erin Hawley, um, wife to Josh Hawley, U.S. Senator from Missouri. She's going to represent ADF. We don't know exactly who's going to do oral arguments, but I encourage you to do this because I, I listened to the oral arguments on the Lori Smith case. As you know, Colorado's got the Jack Phillips and Lori Smith cases have all come here. And Kristen Wagner, who's the CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom, and has won like 15 U.S. Supreme Court cases. Could you imagine that? Like having that type of impact on the country, yeah. I've 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 personally argued in one fifteen U.S. Supreme Court cases. Uh, she, but when you listen to it, it's like a boxing match. It's amazing because the other side doesn't just put up weak 
um, solicitor generals or or people to argue the case. So uh, they're talented as well. And so it's like this great intellectual battlefield that takes place. And during the Lori Smith case, I was like, wow, this is this is interesting. I don't think ATF's really arguing that well. And then in closing arguments, here comes here comes Kristen Wagner like a freight train defending Lori Smith and did a fantastic job. So if you're if you're a fan of boxing, you're a fan of the 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 promotion of ideas fighting each other, listen to the oral arguments on these cases because it's great. Now you'll have also Amicus brief. So you'll have organizations submitting their arguments on this case. But friends, the sanctity of life is the civil rights battle of our generation. This is critical. And I know I saw the Ann Coulter tweets and I saw Rick Santorum respond to Ann Coulter. There's an element in the conservative movement that's saying, we're losing a lot of elections on this abortion issue. Let's let's tone it down a little bit. In fact, let's not even talk about it. And I, and I think that's just fundamentally wrong. I know we have to be incrementalists in driving the agenda, but we don't back away from the sanctity of life ever. It is core to who we are as Christian conservatives, that there is a God, that there is truth, that when we structure our society to reflect his truth, that all human flourishing takes place. And we don't just seek to win elections. We seek to change culture. And so we stand for the sanctity of life. We're going to push this through. Even if we're not successful in our lifetime, future generations will be more successful. These great battles, these great moral issues that we fight for generations are worth it because we are right. And it's not like right side of history, wrong side of history. There is a right and there is a wrong. And we as Christian conservatives stand on what's right. So Nicole Hunt, focused on the family, pro-life advocate, analyst, spokesperson. What should we be watching over the next few weeks, months with regards to this case? And what should we, we maybe be expecting towards the end of this in June? Sure. So I think, first of all, I'll be looking for when oral argument is set. So we'll probably know more after the, the first of the year. Um, look for that and tune in and listen. Um, I think as we, as we consider the circumstances, one thing we know to be true about Alliance Defending Freedom is that they don't take on cases. They don't think they can win. <laughs> so on the one hand, we've got brilliant lawyers who are very wise and discerning in the kind of cases that they take. And which means that there is a very, very, very good legal argument that they're making. And, um, and chances are it's very originalist and um, constitutionalist and uh, something that speaks back to and harkens back to following the text. And so um, I think we can take hope knowing that um, they are going to do their best to um, stay aligned with how the, how the, what the intent of uh, our Constitution was, right? A division of powers that you follow the regulations that are in place. They're making all the right arguments. Um, the second thing I think we should consider as circumstantial is the fact that we do have a Supreme Court majority that subscribes to that view, an original intent of the Constitution and textualism and, um, you know, a type of looking at what was intended when this legislation was passed and this regulation became the law. So those are all very good points and we should be looking and paying attention and feel hopeful. Be praying for this case and for these justices and we'll know in June. Nicole Hunt, Focus on the Family, pro-life analyst. Friends, it's been a wonderful show to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. Until next time, God bless you. Yeehaw.